Welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast. We're here along with other experts and real people with real stories to help you navigate life after separation. Whether you're newly separated or divorced and co-parenting, listen now for tips and advice on how to build a foundation for a more peaceful future. Welcome to another episode of Split, the After Ever After podcast. And today we're speaking with Christina Pentlichuk, who is a mortgage agent. And we really wanted to speak to someone who specializes in mortgages because the housing market is such a huge, yeah, such a huge issue. Um, I'm seeing it with all of my clients and it's it's probably their biggest worry. Mm -hmm. I think that when the market was different, it was very calm. Well, I, I'm seeing two things. I think years ago, this is going back, it was less common to have equal parenting. So yeah. it was more common where, and stereotypically, it was dad would move out and have a smaller place and mom would have a majority of parenting time. So again, mm-hmm. we're, we're speaking in the past. And so dad would maybe rent a place or something and ha- and rentals were much more affordable. Yeah. And now the norm, the norm across the board is equal parenting time. So both parents are going to want housing that they have bedrooms for the kids. Yeah, exactly. They want, you know, one doesn't want to be in a small apartment and one's got some big house. And so the viability of being able to have two homes, purchase Mm -hmm. two homes or even rent one home and purchase a home is, is becoming more and more difficult. Yeah. Are you seeing similar with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. And then I think the other issue is overconfidence in what they want to do, whether that's, um, keep the home and thinking that they'll just make it work at whatever cost, which may not be the best option for them long-term or not considering um, everything that's that is going to be required to actually be approved for financing on their own. And I'm so glad that we were able to have Christina with us in this episode to really talk about like, you know, the nuts and bolts of what you what you need, what the prerequisites are for um, an approval these days. There was a lot of information I was not aware of. Yeah, I, I love, I mean, mediation and what you do with coaching too is so much about exploring different options, right? We're not, you have the ability of, you know, it's not just black and white. And so she has some amazing info here of just different options that you then could take back to negotiate ways to keep the home. Or you're right, if if buying, she talks about some short-term options, what are your long-term goals? I think there's really, uh, I talk about how in the episode often, we just, when we don't look at the different options, we just come back. One client says, I can't afford it. (laughs) And you just, you don't know anything else. So I think, yeah, definitely listen in if you uh, think this might be something that you're considering about housing, because she puts a lot of great options, I think, on the table and some common assumptions people make that are false and things you can prepare. So she's got really good um, practical advice of what you can do to prepare and be aware of if you think a mortgage situation is going to be in your future. And she also explains the difference between just going to um, maybe where you do all of your day-to-day banking and just Mm. speaking with someone at the branch versus um, speaking with an actual mortgage agent who may be a little bit more informed about, like you said, Jennifer, all of the options available to you in your particular situation and um as we always say just to advocate for yourself if you leave the bank or leave whoever you're speaking with and you feel like you still have questions like 
pursue those questions yeah. and get the answers so that you're not making snap decisions that you may very well later regret. Yeah, it's something so important, such mm -hmm. a huge issue. So finding those experts and people who know what they're talking about and specialize in this area. So yeah. That's what we're trying to do here is find people that have the experience working with separating couples and people mm -hmm. going through divorces. Yep. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Christina. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, guys. Ladies, how are you? We are doing good. So we've been talking about housing and how important that is right now because, as I'm sure you know, it is such a hot topic. The prices of housing have gone up, availability, um, supply and demand. And I know with my clients and I'm sure Ashley's, it's just uh, really at the forefront of concern for everyone. So can you introduce what it is you do in your role? And then we'll get into some questions for our listeners. Absolutely. Thank you. So I am a mortgage agent with Mortgage Alliance, and that gives me access to over 60 different lenders to help provide my clients with access to the best residential financing set up based on their financial situation. Um, so there's a lot of different uh, types of mortgage options that are available out there, and we customize that solution to be able to fit my clients' needs. Okay, so what would be the difference between like someone's looking to find a mortgage, going to just walking into their bank that they usually bank with and going with someone like, so you would be a mortgage broker? Is that your, what your yes. title would be? Okay. Yeah, so in our industry, broker and agent are typically interchangeable. Um, and an agent is somebody okay. who doesn't have a team underneath them. Uh, so I, I don't have other employees underneath me. Um, I belong to a team. So my, um, my team leader, I guess, is, would be our broker. But re really all that means is that when I worked, uh, and I actually did work previously in the bank for 25 years, when I worked in the bank, I had a single lender solution. So you work for one financial institution, you sell their mortgage product, and you really have to fit the box for their policies. And um, as the right. market has become more challenging. Uh, the government continues to introduce new rules, um, increasing stress test rates. More and more people were having challenges being mm -hmm. able to fit inside that box. And that was one of the motivating factors that led me to say, okay, you know what? I, I really love this, but I want to be able to help more clients. And that's why I stepped out to become an independent agent. And now I have access, as I mentioned, to over 60 lenders to really kind of customize the solutions for my clients. So if I can't fit them with one lender, then maybe there's a more creative way that I can be able to help, still help them be able to make the reality of a home ownership be able to come true. So mm -hmm. would that generally be true then, like the banks would have less product, like less different product, less options, I guess, if someone was looking for a mortgage? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So in the mortgage space, try not to get a bit too technical, but in the mortgage space, there's three different levels mm -hmm. of lending. You've got your A lenders. So these would be for clients with good income, um, verifiable income, good credit history, and they fit the box of what the lenders are looking for. Um, a B lenders in, in the A lender space, you're going to get the best rates and no fees. Right. The B lender space would be mm -hmm. maybe there's been some credit challenges in the past um, and let's tie this a little bit relative to separation and divorce. You thought one person was paying the bills and the other person thought the other person was doing it. Um, maybe it's, it has affected yeah. or impacted your credit history. And so um, the B lender space would be for folks that maybe have had some credit challenges. Maybe they're self-employed. 
and their income isn't as verifiable as a traditional employee-employer-based type of income. And so that B lender space allows mm -hmm. for a little bit more flexibility on income to debt servicing or a little bit more leniency and forgiveness around credit challenges that have happened in the past. So they come with a slightly higher interest rate and usually a 1% lender fee. Then we have the whole private world. So that's our third world. Private world financing, it is expensive, um, has higher interest rates and higher fees. There's a time and a place for it and it is intended as a short-term financing solution. So I typically don't like to refer my clients into that private world space unless there is a key exit strategy. And that exit strategy should be ideally coming within a 12 month or maximum two year time frame because it's too cost prohibitive otherwise. Um, but there are scenarios, especially when it comes to separation and divorce, where that might be a good interim solution to take a look at just to be able to, um, I look at it as a way to empower the person that wants to stay in the home. Sometimes uh, folks get blindsided mm -hmm. by a separation or divorce. They did not expect mm -hmm. it. They have so many uh, warring emotions that are battling around and they can't focus um, and think clearly to know what to do. And it becomes paralyzing, right? And so if we can provide yeah. a little yeah. stability by saying, you know what? Here's the solution, not the ideal solution, but here's a solution that's gonna allow you to take ownership of this home, right? Once you have that title ownership and then allows the dust to be able to settle, now you can start focusing on processing everything, right? Heal what's kind of been going on, mm -hmm. dealing with it, and then look at your situation from a little bit more of a, um, a thoughtful and uh, focused intention and say, okay, is this really the house that I want to be able to stay in? Can I afford to stay here long-term? And can I get myself out of private, mm -hmm. or a B or an A lender um, down the road? What's preventing me from getting to that stage? And if it means that maybe it's, you are gonna sell it and you're gonna go somewhere else, but now you have time on your side and you can say, okay, well, this is the mm -hmm. neighborhood that I wanna live in. This is the school I want my children to be able to go to, or this is what I can afford and make some concessions and figure out how you wanna be able to do. So that type of solution maybe is something that is just providing peace of mind and time to be able to go through all of that and figure out where you really wanna go. I really like that because you're right. I mean, I definitely have some clients where they just there's too much to handle mm -hmm. at once and the thought yeah. emotionally of having to move out of the family home at the same time as separate tell the kids that you know mom or dad isn't going to be living here anymore all of that stuff and so you're right it's often not long-term advisable to keep the home but even if it's like okay you're you're just status quo for two more years then you can tackle this next big issue um, that's really smart. I like that as an option. So can we kind of back up then? Can you sort of walk our listeners through those three options that could happen? So when people are going in a separation, they're either going to be, if they own that matrimonial home, they're going to both be selling it. And then what kind of mortgage situation are they looking at there? What things they need to think about? Or you're going to be buying your spouse out or they're going to be buying you out. Those three scenarios. So can you kind of just talk about what people should know about mortgages in those situations? For sure. Great options. So 
if um, if both of you have decided to sell the home or maybe neither of you can come to the decision of who gets to keep the home and then the house is sold uh, irrespective of that then yeah. in that particular scenario um, you're going to take a look at can you afford on your own to be able to look at getting some financing in place for the new property and you know does is it a smarter solution to maybe just rent for a little while or does it make sense to be able to get into home ownership and so we're going to factor in things mm -hmm. such as what are you receiving or paying as support whether that be spousal support or child support those are going to influence the amount of mortgage that financing that you can qualify for so having um, some sort of idea or have, at least maybe have making some headway with putting together an agreement, a financial agreement that is going to dictate what that's gonna look like is going to be able to help me be able to provide more customized solution to know because those payments are going to influence that amount. And so like a car loan um, counts and decreases the amount of mortgage financing that you would qualify for, a child or spousal support payment also is going to reduce the borrowing capacity that they have available. So it's going to um, reduce the amount of mortgage that they're going to be able to qualify for their next home. Inversely, right. the amount of child support or spousal support that's being received is going to be able to help increase the amount of mortgage financing that one is going to be able to qualify for. Okay, so we'll do an assessment on mm -hmm. that to be able to see what each individual can be able to afford and see if that fits within the neighborhood that they want to be able to live in. When we're looking at a buyout situation, again, the qualification idea is the same, but here's an interesting process, is normally when you have your mortgage and you want to just refinance it, maybe you have some debts you want to consolidate in, um, you want to take some equity out, do some renovations to your home. So you trot off to your bank or your lender and you say, hey, I'd like to do an increase to my mortgage. They say, great, no problem. So we're going to do an appraisal on that value of that home and we're going to give you, we can qualify you for up to 80% of the value of that home for mortgage financing. Subject, of course, to your income verification, right? In a spousal buyout situation, the government actually allows us to be able to take that financing potentially up to 95% of the value of that home under that spousal buyout. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So normally you would just say, oh, I just want to pull some equity out and use that equity to, to buy out my spouse. But if you say that to a traditional um, mortgage lender or to a traditional banker maybe, you're going to go in there and say, hey, I need to pull some equity out and um, you know this is how much money I'm going to need. And it goes over that 80%. Sometimes you might run into somebody who doesn't know all the ins and outs of a spousal buyout option and say, hey, I'm sorry, we don't have enough equity in your home to be able to do that. But under that mm -hmm. spousal buyout situation, we can, in fact, be able to do it. It is subject, again, like I said, to income qualification, but it's an option that is available. Right. Is the spousal, spousal buyout um, with going up to that 95%, is that a new product in the marketplace or has that been that way for a long time? Yeah, it's not new. It's been around for quite some time and it's, it's the knowledge piece okay. um, there and that's why it really helps to have yeah. experts, industry experts um, or uh, experts that specialize in niches 
to be able to help provide the best information and knowledge that's available to them. And so that will enable not only just the buyout, but any joint debts also being held to be included in that up to that 95%. Okay, okay. great. Hmm. Interesting. And are there any cons to that, like to that option yeah, so that you would going, see? Yeah, when you're going over 80% of the value of the home, you're getting into a mortgage same as a purchase, if you're doing less than 20% down, there's a default insurance premium that has to be paid. So when we refinance mm -hmm, right. for the spousal buyout back up to that 95%, there's that default insurance premium that is required to be paid as well. But we're playing in a space where those mortgage interest rates are so low. And again, for the ability to mm -hmm. be able to um, get that peace of mind, that home ownership in there, it, it's something that makes that dream possible, right? And creates that normalcy for right. a difficult situation, for sure. Yeah, and it really, like, in mediation, a lot of what I do with my client, and, and Ashley, really in your role too, right, is what are someone's priorities, what are their goals? To For some yeah. people, keeping that house, if it is possible and feasible, like, that is their number one priority, that they mm -hmm. want their kids to grow up in that house they're, if they got to get a second job, like come hell or high water, like that's the one thing they want to make happen. So they would be willing to take an option like that and, and make it work. Or on the flip side, you know, after speaking with someone like you, Christina, and seeing like, okay, this is really not feasible right now. But after having this discussion with Christina, I know that maybe if I do X, Y, and Z within the next 24 months, I'll be able to buy a home that is still in our area that, um, you know, the kids can still go to school. We can rent in the meantime, or like just knowing what your options are, not just right now, but in the future as well. And, and having mm -hmm. someone like you to kind of shine a light on, on all of that, I think is really important. Absolutely. And oftentimes in relationships, there's usually one person that will um, do the majority of the finances. And so sometimes you've got yeah. another spouse that this is brand new and uncharted territory for them. So yeah. on top of everything mm -hmm. else that they're going through and experiencing, having somebody that can give them that direction and advice and some different options, say, hey, if you do this, here's option A. If you do this, here's option B, right? And being able to then ha just have it as a plan that's laid out and then gives them the opportunity to take control and say, okay, I'm going to go with this choice based on this information that I've been Mm -hmm. So are there some, any other things like advice you could give to people if they are considering a separation they know that that might be coming? I mean, one of them you mentioned, which I see with clients too, is not to go out and get like to be aware of their debt. So not to incur additional debt, maybe new car loan, whatever, because that may affect um, how they can get approved for a mortgage or how much they could get approved for. Another one I see maybe could speak about is people are often really unaware of any penalties for breaking existing mortgages. So I had a client where it was like $15,000. It was a massive amount. Are there any other things that maybe people could need to be aware of that you see people kind of forgetting about? Yes, definitely. So one of the ones would be is if they have a mortgage and a secured line of credit combination, 
um, set up on there is if you're going through that separation or divorce, you want to let your lender know, the financial institution or lend, uh, mortgage lender know, that you want a freeze put on that line of credit. Right? So that ah, you have access, right? You both have access to that. Yeah. And if one incurs more debt without the knowledge of the other spouse um, doing that, that can present some problems in there as well. So you would want to put a freeze on that line of credit so that you guys can say, this is the joint debt that we had at the time of separation. And working towards uh, if you're paying, again, any of those other joint debts like credit cards and things like that, you are going to want to be able to establish individual credit cards in your own name because once that separation has finalized, then um, any of those joint debts are going to be closed. And so if you're going to want to be able mm -hmm. to put a credit card on your own, um, that might be something that you want to put into place. But Jennifer, to your point, going out and getting a brand new car loan without understanding the math of how that's going to impact future mortgage qualification for you, I wouldn't rush into that part of it. Mm -hmm. if it can be avoided, right? Mm -hmm. um, to be able to do because it will, yeah. will have a substantial I impact. My background is actually, you know, in my other life was in the car business. I was a finance manager and I was always like shocked um, at just the lack of knowledge around credit and debt servicing and, and all of these things. So again, to go in and talk to somebody, um, especially mm -hmm. if you were the one in the relationship who really like you weren't managing the money or maybe you weren't working as much to figure out what you need to do if your credit is not where you'd like it to be right. what you need to do to get there right and, and how long does it take christine it might be getting a little bit it might be getting a little bit off topic but how long would it take like if someone were not if someone doesn't have their own credit cards establishing their own credit score is that a really long-term goal to start getting their own credit cards? Like how long would it take to establish a credit score? Yeah, so if you have joint debt, um, your credit score is already established and is there for you. So it's a matter of just separating that debt out so that is in your individual name and that you're not incurring any more debt jointly. Um, it just makes it a little bit cleaner to be able yeah. to, to do that. But I just want to kind of go back a little bit to what Ashley was saying about on the car lot um, as well. Qualifying for a vehicle loan is by far easier than qualifying for mortgage financing, right? And so yeah, for sure. That in yep. order of operations, do the mortgage financing first. Worry about doing the car loan mm -hmm, financing got it. afterwards, right? So again, credit bureaus. Yep. If you have. Um, Credit Karma or, you know, any type of credit monitoring type of program, the credit scores that you're getting off of those monitoring programs are not the same as what your credit score will be for mortgage financing, okay? The variables mm -hmm. okay. or the um, factors that are influencing that credit score are a lot more stringent and tighter on mortgage financing than they are for a vehicle financing. And so when you're looking at the two, it does really change what you'd be able to qualify for. You may walk in and get a car loan and say, oh my gosh, that was easy. I did, like All I did was sign and it was great. And then you feel yeah. like mm -hmm. you're the ringer trying to be able to get mortgage financing because they have a lot more different variables that will influence and impact that qualification. 
so when we talk about um, income, just going like backing up a little bit, as I know in my line of work where you could use child support um, and different support payments as long as it was court ordered, that was kind of the only stipulation. But when it comes to a mortgage, um, as I know you had mentioned that those payments are taken into consideration, are there any other stipulations um, surrounding that in order to be able to use that as qualifying income? Mm. Definitely. So we, uh, our lenders do ask for verification that that income is actually being received. So it's one thing to have a document that says this is the amount that you're going to be paying out or receiving. And then we usually require to be able to have verification or validation that that money is actually being received um, in terms of that payment. So that's done right. by three months business. Uh, bank statements, personal bank statements, to show that credit of the child support or spouse's support that's being received into the account. And generally, lenders like to see that that um, makes up no more than 30% of your overall income when we're using it in terms of overall qualification. We don't want that to be your primary source of income because there are a lot of variables that influence, one, how long are you receiving for it? Generally, that's not for the life of yeah. the mortgage, 25 years, right? And so how long are you going to receive it for? And, um, you know, are there any other sources of income that are going to contribute to that? Because what if your ex doesn't pay, right? Nobody wants to be yeah. in the business of kicking somebody out of a house. And so they're doing their the lenders and all yeah. the criteria there is doing the best effort to be able to ensure that you get to stay in that home. And so if we wait it all mm-hmm. on 100% of that income, we're not putting you in, in that individual in the best position. I like the idea so much of being able to, I mean, obviously you've got all these different options on the table. There's different plans you can use with people and then having the flexibility of working in mediation or with a coach or something to kind of figure out really what does fit best for everyone, right? Is yeah. this a buyout now? Is this something that, you know, will make it work for a year or two? That there just are all of these options. I, I think it's the biggest thing that people are worried about, especially like when it comes to kids, it's that stability mm-hmm. of being for able sure. to be in the family home. I know it makes perfect sense. And, um, you know, really it is about to maybe even just somebody not knowing uh or thinking that they can't afford to be able to do it as well. It really helps to be mm-hmm. able to just have that conversation um, with somebody who is experienced in, in that industry to, to be able to help guide them through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Are there any other misconceptions, um, like any big misconceptions that you see or uh, with clients that you work with? Mm, great question, I love that one. Um, there's all different kinds of misconceptions I think that are out there. Uh, I've had some that said, you know what, we just can't resolve an issue, so we're just staying status quo until we can figure it out. Um, And not knowing that they can take it further, right? Um, It doesn't work favorable in the Mm -hmm. sense of if you wanted to keep the house, because in the absence of having an agreement uh, between two parties, then you're leaving it up to the courts to decide and the courts will always say dispose of the property right um and just yeah. cut the losses here's the money you guys figured out from there 
but uh, so there's a lot of people that have just not made decisions because they didn't think that there was an, a, you could agree upon anything. So there's some of those. Um, the other is again, not is around the income being able to be used to be able to qualify, and so for somebody who's paying support, they think, wow, you know, it, it's a lot of money that's going out. Maybe I, I'm probably just not going to be able to qualify, which is where we've seen in the past a lot of people gear towards renting, right? Because they don't feel that they mm -hmm, can be able yeah. to qualify for that mortgage financing because of the debt the, um, obligation that they have to pay out on a, a monthly basis that's there as well. But there are some lenders that allow us to um, be able to de deduct the payment from income as opposed to counting it as a monthly loan type of payment and that will actually allow us to be able to qualify for a little bit more mortgage financing and that might just be enough to get them into the type of house that they oh, okay. want to be able to get into. Right, right. Okay. I know, yeah, there's often creative solutions. Like I had a client recently that couldn't, 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 but then they had qualify, but they just had to put another little bit of money down and then they were able to like make that threshold. So Absolutely. yeah, there's, there's different. Mm -hmm. and, and then we it, were able to work that out in their agreement as well. For sure. For sure. And that is one of the things too, right? It's, it's taking a look at the situation and saying, okay, you know what, if we had the ability to just pay off this one piece of debt that might've had, Maybe it was only a couple thousand mm -hmm. dollars that are owing on it, but it carried a four or five hundred dollar a month payment. Taking that four or five hundred dollar yeah. out of the picture can dramatically change their financial situation and what they could be able to qualify for. So it's it's more than just yeah. numbers into an app. Like there's mortgage apps below that allows you to say, Oh yeah, here's here's what you can get. But there's no advice that goes with that and that ability to analyze and say, you know, yeah. Yeah. we can do a little tweaking here and, and we can kind of figure this out or here's what you should work towards because this is going to be, um, most improve your chances for down the road. Well, and I think it's so valuable for someone to speak with someone like you and then for you as a broker to be able to be in communication with divorce professionals, whether um, if it's a family lawyer or a coach or a mediator, because my brain's going and thinking, you know, often from both parties want one to be able to stay in the house. So often both mom and dad are saying, yeah, I want her or him, you know, to be able to be in the house with the kids. So they would be willing to negotiate to say, hey, you know what, like, I will help pay off this loan in exchange for this, that, and the other, mm -hmm. or whatever. Like it'd be a negotiating point within the agreement to allow you then to qualify for the mortgage. But most times I think what happens is people just come and say, I didn't qualify. And there's no understanding of why, or is there something we could change here? So if it was an ongoing conversation where more information and options were on the table, yeah. um, that that's something that could be more freely negotiated. Absolutely. So you bring up another great point too, is if we were to take a look at, um, if there's a home that has maybe a, a substantial amount of equity that's been in there, depending on how long their relationship was, and there's the conversation about uh, a spousal payment. So they have the alternative to, instead of looking at paying monthly payments, that's going to impact um, that one spouse who has to make the payments for what they would be able to qualify for. 
you could look at doing a lump sum yep. buyout. So take that value and mm -hmm. say, yep. okay, you know, here's extra money from the equity of the home. And that um, will enable Definitely. them to not be impacted for when they're ready to go and do their financing because now they don't have that monthly payment influencing. But they've still nah. made it fair yeah. by equalizing it out through the equity that was available in the home. Absolutely. Yeah, I always like to talk about the different options for spousal too. And because of the, the tax implications, it usually ends up being a little bit less if that money comes up front um, as a lump sum because it's different. It's not ta a taxable event if it's a lump sum. That's right. Exactly. At the one time. And still being fair to, uh, to all the parties involved, right? And then not having that same impact from a mortgage qualification for whatever they decide to do, whether it's now or later. Well, thank you again, Christina. This was, um, I know I learned a lot both from the yeah. webinar and even just tonight in our conversation. So thank you. I know this will be really um, valuable uh, for our listeners. And the, it's great that you're local too. Definitely. Happy to help. And thank you again so much, ladies, for having me on this call today. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Christina. Okay, thank you. See ya. Thank you.